Praise the Lord, everybody. The scripture says in him we live and move and have our being. It's good to see everybody in God's house today. What a special day this is. Part two of the Q&A with my wife and I. Are you ready for it? Amen. Before we get into it, let me welcome everybody that's watching online, all of our locations, and let's go ahead and make our Bible declaration. If you have your Bible, would you take it out? If you need a Bible, raise your hands. I want to welcome the Spanish ministries and the Brazilian ministries. Let's give it up for them. Amen. We're glad that you are here. Hold it up nice and high. Let's go ahead and say this together. Say it with me. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God has destined me to be. Amen and amen. Would you welcome my wife, Lisa, as she comes? Hi. Hello. I'm back. You guys let me come back. I'm honored, privileged to be here. And what a great time to be here. I love that Spanish ministry and Brazilian ministry is with us. You know, the last time we did a QA, and a it was actually for Brazilian ministry. Ah, that's right. You can be seated, by the way. Great to see all of you. Thank you. Glad everybody is here. Let's go ahead and pray over the word, and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for speaking to us in the next few moments. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just helping us to grow in the most important important earthly relationship that there is, and that is our relationship with our spouses. Father, we pray for everybody that's here today, that they would be enriched by your word, that they would grow and be challenged in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So quick disclaimer, maybe you're here today and you're not married, um, and that's good if you want to be married because you'll get something out of this. Uh, But if you're not married and don't want to be married, there'll also be some relationship principles that are in here that apply to every single area of your life. And so uh, they'll be good if nothing else. If your married friends come to you and they want to talk to you about their marriage, you'll have some good advice to give to them. And so be prepared. And but we're going to talk to you about some things that are going to help you uh, to get over the marital drift. Anybody ever have marital drift in your marriage? Only about three people being honest. You're doing raising your hand. Uh, um, marital drift happens. People ask all the time, how do I put the passion back in my marriage again? How do I get my marriage on track? How do I feel like I'm not just living with a friend, but I'm actually living with my life partner? All of that kind of stuff. So some of these principles that we're going to share with you is going to help you with that. Uh, but the marriage relationship is so important to every area of our lives Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that if our marriages aren't right, it is going to influence our relationship with Jesus. There's a scripture that says in 1 Peter that we have to be heirs together of the grace of life so that our prayers are not hindered. When your marriage is not right, it interferes with so many other things. Not just marriage, but when a key relationship in your life is not right. You ever have that happen? You're having discord with somebody or, you know, you're, you're not getting along with somebody who's important in your life or there's hostilities and it spills over into every other area of your life. That happens even more when it comes to your marriage relationship. So if we are going to be all in for Jesus, we've also got to be all in in our marriage relationship. And so um, that's how important it is. And the foundation for every marriage relationship is something that I call the marriage mindset. The marriage mindset is simply this, that marriage is an everyday picture of our eternal relationship with Christ. It's the picture, right? 
Um, matter of fact, whenever you read about marriage in the Bible, you can't help but read about the symbolism between Christ and his church, right? We are the bride of Christ. And so the symbolism is to give us a picture. Our relationship with Jesus, that is supposed to be the model for our relationship in our marriage. And so when we come to the great marriage chapter in the Bible, by the way, Ephesians chapter number five is the great marriage chapter. There are other chapters in the Bible that deal with marriage. First Peter chapter number three is one of them. First Corinthians chapter number seven is another one of them. Proverbs 31 is another one of them. There's a lot of them, but Ephesians chapter five is the big marriage chapter in the Bible. And listen to some of the things that it says. Ephesians 5.22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, also as Christ is the head of the church. Now, we're going to explain that uh, in great detail today, so hang in there. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So notice that the relationship with Christ is the picture of our relationship in our marriage. And when we come to roles in marriage, and by the way, marriage is about roles, not rank. Everybody understands that, right? When it comes to rank, how many of you know men and women are equal in the eyes of God? Let me see your hand, right? How many of you know men and women are all equal candidates to be used by God? How many of you know some of the greatest things ever accomplished for the kingdom of God was done by women, amen? How many of you know the greatest assignment ever given to human beings was given to a woman. Her name was Mary, right? And so when we talk about these things, we're not talking about rank. We're talking about roles. It's the way that God has designed us, and he designed us specifically. How many of you know you're a man because God wanted you to be a man? Say amen. Amen. How many of you know you're a woman because God wanted you to be a woman? Say amen. amen. How many of you know if you're a man, you need to be all the man that you can be? Say amen. How many of you know if you're the woman, you need to be all the woman that you can be? Amen. Amen. How many of you know God made us different by design, right? And so um, these are roles based upon the way that God has created us. But in the marriage relationship, the man is asked to take on the role of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's a heavy burden, right? If somebody comes to you and says, you know, I want you to be like Jesus, and really it's it's the call of all Christians, isn't it? Be like Jesus, But that's a heavy burden, to be a model of Christ in your relationship. Think about everything that Jesus has done for us. Jesus, everything he did, he did it for us. Nothing he did for himself, right? Jesus didn't leave heaven for himself, right? He was was perfectly good in heaven, right? Everything was going great. He was enjoying sitting on his throne and ruling the earth. But he left heaven. He gave up what meant everything for him, and he came to earth for us. He, he, He lowered himself. He humbled himself. He, he changed forms from God to God manifest in the flesh. He took on human form. He became a servant, right? He went to the cross. He was tempted and tried in every place. He became sin for us, went to hell for us. Everything Jesus did, he did for us. Guys, that's your role. Your role is to be that in your family, to be that for your spouse, to be that for your wife, to be that for your kids. Marriage is an earthly example of our eternal relationship with Jesus. And when we are that, ladies, here's your role. Your role is to treat us like you would treat Jesus, right? To love us. To, to, to honor us, to respect us. But these things go hand in hand. How many of you know it is not fair to ask a woman to treat a man like they would treat Jesus if that man is not acting like Jesus? 
Can I see your hand? How many of you know that's just unfair to do? You have to have both, right? And if a man is acting like Jesus, how many of you know, ladies, it is a joy. It is a pleasure to serve him and treat him like you would treat Jesus. Isn't that true? So this goes hand in hand. This is like one big loop, right? In order for us to take our roles in our marriage relationship, we have to look at that example, Christ is our example. Christ in the church. That's the marriage mentality. Second part of the marriage mentality is this, that we need to subordinate our wills and our needs to the needs of the other person. I hear this all the time in marriage. Well, they're not meeting my needs. Ah, wrong mentality. What you should be saying is, are you meeting their needs? Here's what I found out, that if somebody decides that they are going to go all in, If somebody decides they're going to subordinate their needs and subordinate their will to the other purpose, reciprocity begins to take place. Have you ever had somebody kind to you and you didn't deserve it? Anybody ever do that before? And if you're consistently kind to somebody who doesn't deserve it, eventually, guess what happens? Their heart is touched and they begin to act kindly towards you. So what marriage is all about is subordinating our needs to the needs of the other person, subordinating our will to the will of the other person, because that's what Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus said, it's not really what what matters to me most. He said, not my will, but thine be done to the Father. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, right? But he willfully went to the cross. How many of you know, you you don't have to want to do something to willfully do it. When you subordinate your will to the will of the Father, then you can subordinate your will to the will of your spouse. And that is what marriage is all about. Matter of fact, listen to Philippians uh, chapter number two. Philippians two verse three says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. How many of you know that would revolutionize your marriage? To just think, you know what, every time you look at your spouse, I'm going to treat them as though they're better than me. I mean, they're not, right? We're all equals. But think about how that will revolution. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. And so the marriage mentality is this issue of we need to realize that our earthly relationship, our marriage is an earthly relationship that is patterned after our eternal relationship. And we are going to subordinate our will and we're going to subordinate our needs to the needs of the other person. And so that has to be understood. And when it is, it answers questions like this. What does it mean to submit to my husband? I almost don't even need to answer that anymore because I just did, right? But I will answer it, or I'll let you answer it, honey. What does it mean to submit to a man? Well, basically, before, before we answer that question, I just want to kind of reiterate what we talked about last week. You know, this is why those who are single, so important for you to choose carefully, choose correctly, because you want to pair yourself with somebody who is going to be able to be compatible in this marriage mentality that you're speaking of. Yes. Uh, you know, dating, dating is your long-term interview to realize yeah. and recognize whether or not you can do this with that person. That's good. But here we are, here you are, you're already married, you know, and maybe you're in a situation where your husband is not behaving like Christ. Maybe he is not representing all of the things that my husband was just referring to. How do you submit? What does submission look like then? We will get to it a little bit later in today's service, but the quick answer that I have for you is what submission is not. And submission is not being a doormat. 
Submission is not going on and on and on and on with your husband about your feelings and your conviction. Submission is not going along with anything that's not biblical. So basically, right. we have what it's not. Right. <laughs> what it is, is submitting yourself as unto the Lord. Yep. And the greater responsibility whenever somebody is given the role or the assignment to be the covering of anything, right? The greater responsibility always lies with that person. The reason why the scripture says that pastors are held to a higher standard is not because in Christianity or in God's kingdom, I'm any better than you, right? We know that in Christ, we're all equals. But I'm held to a higher standard because I have been given spiritual responsibility to be a covering for this church. And anytime anyone is ever given the role of being a covering for anything, the greater responsibility lies with that individual. And so that's why I always talk to the fellas and I say, listen, there's a burden on us. There is a burden to be like Christ. We need to look in the mirror every single day and ask ourselves the question, am I reflecting Jesus to my family? Am I reflecting Jesus to my wife? Am I reflecting Jesus to my kids? So back to the marriage mentality. Um, we're gonna, if the marriage mentality is I need to subordinate my will and my needs to the other person, we need to know, well, what are the primary needs of a woman and what are the primary needs of a man, right? And we're going to use the kind of the phrase men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? And we're going to use Venus and Mars as kind of like a little track to, for you to remember what the five basic needs of every woman are and the four basic needs of every man. See, women are more needy than men. They have five. We only have four. Just playing, right? Um, so men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. And so, honey, why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of the needs of the ladies? Can I tell a joke? Uh, sure, if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> I like my jokes. Okay, so there was this woman, and she was having a hard time with the differences between men and women trying to figure out her husband. So she uh, prayed this heartfelt prayer unto the Lord and started like this, Dear Lord, help me to have wisdom to understand this man. Help me to have love to forgive him. Help me to have patience for his moods. But dear Lord, I will not pray for strength because if I have the strength, I will beat him to death. Amen. <laughs> well, since you wanted to tell jokes, I might, uh -oh. I might have one also. So Adam's feeling real lonely. You know, he's in the garden. He's like, God, there's nobody that, you know, is like me in any way. God, can you make me a companion? And God said, I'm going to make you the perfect companion. I'm going to make you this woman. I mean, she's going to be fantastic. She's going to be everything that you need, everything that you want. She's going to be beautiful. Uh, when, when you find clothes, she's going she's to clean them for you. And when you discover food, she's going she's gonna to make you the greatest meals in all the world. She's never going to complain. She's going to give you all of the love and all of the affection that you want. Adam says to God, God, what's a woman like this going to cost? And God says, an arm and a leg. Adam says, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> no, just, just playing, just playing, just playing. <laughs> anyway, um, what does a woman want? What does a woman want? Um, Ephesians chapter 5 is kind of the the hallmark of this. And so let's pick it up from there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25. If you're following along, you can look on the screen. Honey, would you read that? So it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Amen. So basically what this is telling us is that, you know, men need to nourish and cherish. And those, the meanings of those words are really quite simple. You know, to nourish something basically means to give it the necessary nutrients for it to grow, right? And to cherish something uh, means to care for it beyond measure. And if me the men in our lives are treating us that way, it does help us to be able to respond to them in the way that we're called Amen. to respond. Amen. And there are some scriptures that talk about how we should view our wives as the most special thing on the planet. And again, taking the lead from Jesus and how he views us. When we think about Jesus, do we understand how Jesus thinks about us? Do we understand that we are always on the mind of Christ? That the Bible actually says that his thoughts for us are so numerous that they can't be counted. That he's constantly always thinking about us. Remember when you were first dating and you always had that person on your mind over and over and over again, no matter what you were doing? That's how God literally is thinking about us every moment of every day. We are the prized possession of God. Listen to James chapter 1, verse number 18. It says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Remember the Garden of Eden? God creates everything. After he creates everything, he goes, that's good, that's good, that's good. Then he creates man and he goes, now that's very good. Because that's how God views us out of right. all the things. I mean, he had to, that he, he left heaven to redeem us. We are so special to God. David was praying in Psalm 17 and verse number 8, and he says, keep me as the apple of your eye. In other words, fellas, what God has called us to, to be and the way God has called us to view our wives is the most special thing in all the world to us. And I know sometimes we say it because it sounds like the right thing to do, but we really need to get to a place where we mean it where we realize that our wives are the best things that have ever happened to us other than Jesus. Right. Do you really feel that way? And if you don't feel that way, we need to evolve into getting to that place, right? And, and that can happen. And the way that happens is by practicing some of the things that we're talking about, and you'll, you'll grow in that area. So the, the five basic needs of every woman, number one is? Verbal communication. You wouldn't say. Verbal communication. <laughs> You know, if, if a woman is going to feel like the apple of her husband's eye, he's, uh, the woman is going to want to be able to communicate. And we talk a lot about, you know, the importance of communication, but many times we really are not communicating. We're just talking to be heard, and we're trying to kind of impose our way. And that goes on both sides. That's men and women have a, have a tendency to do that. Um, when women want to communicate, I believe it's so important for a man to make eye contact you know, put your, put your phone down, right? Make eye contact and affirm what your wife is saying to you. Um, nod along, you know, maybe like insert some words in there to let her know you're tracking with what she's saying. And that's, that will become healthy communication. Absolutely. Um, it's important because if we're just kind of like zoned out, Again, remember, women communicate both verbally and non-verbally, and so cues during a conversation have a lot to do with whether a woman feels verbally like she is being engaged. And so if we're looking out there, 
when a woman is talking to us, she feels like she's talking to the wall, and we're not meeting that particular need. And again, our goal, right, is not to have our needs met. Our goal is to make sure we're meeting their needs. Um, the question was asked, how do I get my spouse to see that it's not okay to call me names when we fight or he's angry and sometimes when he's joking? Well, first of all, again, this is one of the biggest five basic needs of a woman. So a woman, a woman is affected usually more by words than a man is. And there's a reason for that. That's the way that we're, we're cultured and the way that we're created. Guys, you remember when you were growing up on the schoolyard? What did you do on the schoolyard? You talk trash, right? I mean, you're on the schoolyard, you're playing basketball, you're playing. Even nowadays, when, when we kind of hang out together as guys, or even in the office, Pastor Richie and I, we're always talking trash to one another. It's kind of the way that guys interact. But see, when we talk to ladies, we shouldn't talk to ladies like we're talking to other guys. And, and, a, and a word or a comment can be, can be really hurtful to a woman. One of my, my, life, my wife's love languages is words of affirmation. And so um, early on, I didn't really know this because I grew up in a family where we just kind of just said it. You know, Italian family, you just say whatever's on your mind, you know. Oh, that's the stupidest thing in all the world, you know. You're an idiot. You're so dumb. I mean, we would just say that. It would mean nothing in my family. Like everybody would just, that's the way we were. And so now I get married and my, my upbringing comes into my marriage, right? And so I'm talking to my wife and she says something. I'm like, oh, that's so dumb. And she's like not that. sloughing it off. I'm like, What's wrong with her? I, I don't mean nothing by it. I don't, I don't really. But here's how she's hearing it. You're so dumb, right? And so I had to learn to, to, I can't talk to her like that anymore. And so when I learned those things, I had to learn to, to, to be intentional about my communication with her. One of the things that I like to do is I like to label people like, you know, kind of ingest. Um, I guess this doesn't sound too funny when you say it out loud. After like something that they do. So like, you know, like if somebody like, you know, we, we call Big Tony or Little Tony or Fat Tony or Bald Tony. That's the way we did it when we were, when we were kind of growing up. All that was the way we talked. And so my wife, one of the things she does that irks me a little bit is she, she never shuts anything she opens. <laughs> right? So if you were to ever walk in my house after she's been in the kitchen, it looks like we've been robbed. Right? Everything is wait, wide open. Wait, wait. I leave the cabinets open while I am That's using not true. them. No. If when I'm done, Total lie. they get not telling the truth. before I leave the room. I don't leave them open so, when I leave the room. So last night, our, uh, this morning, our alarm was going off in the house. It was making a chirp. And so she said, do you know what that chirp is coming from? I said, yes, yeah, the alarm. I said, just when you go back into the bedroom, reset it. And so she went and reset it. You know how I know she reset it? Because she left the alarm cover open. Because she does <laughs> not close anything. Now, here's that. the thing. So, so, or the other thing she likes to do, and I'm not picking on her, but I'm, there's a point to all this, is so she I'm won't forget stuff. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so she won't forget stuff. She will put something that she has to move right in the middle of where she's got to walk. <laughs> So here I come, right, and I got stuff in my hand, right, type of thing, and boom, there's the boxes. And I'm like, so I nicknamed her Walk Path Girl. She was, and, and then I suddenly realized she doesn't like that. And, and so, so not that, I don't know why you wouldn't. What a great name, right, Walk Path. Anyway, so now what I've done is as I've learned that, that her communication language is words of affirmation, I've changed that dialogue. So now every morning when she comes out, and I'm, you know, I get up before her usually. As soon as I see her, I say, good morning, my special. You know, and Aww. because because that means Aww. something to her. It communicates something to her. And it really is what's on my heart, right? And so verbal affirmation is a big need. Second need for, for women. And by the way, so what do you do if to tell your husband this is, this is not cool? Well, first of all, guys, 
just cut it out. Mm. Like, just like plain and simple. Like, I don't know sometimes why we need like a class on how to stop doing something that bothers another person. If it bothers another person, don't just stop. <laughs> you know? I mean, how easy is that, right? Come on. And, and if, if he won't stop, then when the moment is not heavy, when there's not a lot of emotions, by the way, right, words spoken in season are what penetrate people's hearts. So when it's not a heated moment and you're calm and he's all ears, then you say, you know, sweetheart, I know you probably don't mean this, but when you, when you call me certain things and names that really bothers me, would you, would you please stop doing that? Or can you, can you do something else? And try to communicate like that. And if it won't stop after that, then get some help, right? Because if it becomes a bigger issue, it could separate your marriage. Second thing that women need is emotional support, right? So, fellas, did you know that the number one cause of the depression in women is low self-esteem? The number one thing. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with the culture, again, in which we're raised. But women are always made to feel like they have to measure up, right? There's a standard. Here's what you're supposed to look like. Here's what you're supposed to wear. Here's how you're supposed to sound. Here's how you're supposed to do this and do that. And it's always got to feel like you're going to measure up. And so oftentimes women need emotional support. So here's a conversation that takes place. A woman gets all dressed up and, and she walks out. And, and she's, first of all, she's expecting to be noticed, Right? But sometimes she'll be, she'll be good about it. You know, you're, she'll say, how do I look? And the man will go, oh, you look fine. Doesn't cut the mustard, right? So what you need to do is, first of all, don't wait, her, don't wait for her to ask, right? Tell her before she has to ask. But if she does ask, change your, oh, you look fine to, baby, you look fine. I mean, I mean you need a license to go out looking so good today. Change it into something that a Affirms if she gets her hair done, notice that she's got her hair done. Affirm that. Make her feel special. Emotionally support the situation. And here's a good one, guys. The best kind of verbal affirmation that is emotional support is non-sexual verbal affirmation. Right. Because what happens a lot of guys is the only time they communicate to their wife is if they're trying to drop sexual hints. And, and by the way, that's fine some of the time, right? Matter of fact, that's normal. If that is not part of your marriage, we're going to talk about this a little later on, then your marriage has probably drifted to an unhealthy place. That should be part of what, what goes on in a marriage, right? But it can't be the only type of communication because then basically what you're saying is I value what you can give me more than who you are. And so emotional support is very, very, very important. You got anything? Well, you know, for me, I feel like I, I definitely want to be heard. You know, the words of affirmation are great for me, but I, I don't necessarily need to be agreed with. I want to be understood, you yes. know, and maybe some of you out there feel the same way. You know, you want your perspective understood. You yes. know, agreement's great, but understanding is even better, you yeah. know, and I feel like that, you know, does support us emotionally. Yeah. You know, this morning at nine o'clock, I pointed out that my husband talked about the 21,000 words that are necessary for a woman, a woman to say each day. And that men, it's only what, 7,000, Seven, yeah. right? Yeah. I feel like, you know, women can cut their words down a little bit if men affirm, validate, and, you know, not along in agreement when we're speaking. Because many yes. times, if there's no eye contact, if he's busy checking his email and everything like that, 
we're saying way more than we yes. need to say yes. because we're trying to get him on board with what we're saying. Right. And so now we're re-saying it and we're saying it a different way. And now we said it four different ways. Yes. That's not even necessary if we get proper communication. Absolutely. And one of the things that would happen early on in our marriage is when we'd have a disagreement, um, I thought we talked about it at length. We've been talking about it for 40 minutes. I'm like, okay, uh -uh. enough. And, and she would always say, but do you understand? But do you understand? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not stupid. Of course I understand. I understand exactly where you're coming from. But that's not what she was saying, right? She wasn't saying, do you understand what I'm articulating? She was saying, right. do you understand where I'm coming from, right? And so that is where the emotional support comes in. And she's spot on when she says that if we will participate in the conversation, emotionally reassure, it does cut down tremendously on the kind of communication. Because like at some point in your life, I think you were up to like 40,000 words. And, and now... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's flip to the men for a minute. Um, the M for men in Mars stands for a managed household. And I want my wife to really speak on this need that men have. So men many times feel as though, you know, their house is their place of refuge, you know, their sanctuary from everything else that's happening in their life. And it should be exactly that, you know. So as women, it is our responsibility to help him feel as though their household is managed. But like, what does that look like? You know, we think of surface things when we talk about that kind of stuff. You know, I already shared last week that I like to cook. And so a home cooked meal, awesome, wonderful, right? A neat and tidy house, like those neat and tidy houses, you know, and that's great. Um, you know, for when, when men and women are both working and both of you come home at the same time, nothing wrong with a man helping out a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that has to happen because things just need to get done. But all of that stuff stuff isn't really the crux of a managed household. A managed household has everything to do with the vibe of the home. You know, as women, we set the tone for the vibe. And if we're going to be all stressed out and, you know, running all over the place and complaining about this, he's going to follow right along and he's going to feel strangled and choked and feel that chaos, you know. And we are hardwired to be those multitaskers. We talked about that a little bit last week. Hardwired to be the multitaskers. So, you know, we got we to gotta, like dip into that and we have to be able to say like, all right, you know what? It's okay. I use that terminology a lot of times at home. I say, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes I say it to myself. It's okay when I'm feeling like, you know, things are just a lot at that moment. And just kind of like a little bit of self-talk and like handling the situation. When you have small kids and, you know, all of a sudden the milk spills and, you know, the dog throws up on the floor and all of this is going on, you can hype your husband up to a very, very not pretty place mm -hmm. if you are going to set that kind of tone. So as women, we're kind of like, you know, the, the ther thermostat in the house, right? Where we are able to set that gauge yeah. on how we want things to go. And all throughout, you know, when men come home, as, as she said, they want to feel like they're retreating from the pressures of the world. Um, you've heard the statement before, man's home is his castle. And if a man feels like he's coming home to chaos or he's coming home to more tension, what happens is a lot of men then don't want to come home. So then they, they work late, you know, they find excuses to be out of the house and all of that kind of stuff. And so it, for me, a managed household is not so much, you know, is everything in order because we both like things neat, by the way. So like we complement each other in that area. But for me, it's like, what is the tension going to be like in the home? And all of our marriage, this is something that she's been tremendous at. 
um, she's always made me feel special when I came home. So one of the choices we made early on is that we would t do whatever sacrifices were necessary so that she could be a stay-at-home mom. It's not because that's what we think every woman has to do, but it's because that's, the, that's what we wanted for our family. And so, you know, she'd be home all day with the kids and when the kids were at school by herself and all that kind of stuff. And obviously then I'd come home and she's got a lot she wants to say. She hasn't had nobody to talk to, so on and so forth. But what she was great at is never dumping on me when I got home. She would always let me come home, get relaxed, get changed. Matter of fact, she would always have the kids, when they, were, they would hear the garage go up, she would, I would always hear her say, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. And they would all be waiting for me. It was this big welcome when I came home. And now that the kids are older and they're doing their own thing and everything like that, they're not around as much. And so it's now she tells the dog, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. <laughs> and it, it's just this big wanting to come home and, and be, feeling like I'm coming to a place that is stress-free. And so that's what it means. That's, that's what a man needs is that managed environment. And it's always been a blessing in, in our lives that she's given to me. And I've always said, like, if, if, that, if she wasn't that way, I don't think I would ever be able to do what God's called me to do because the stresses of the ministry are tremendous. And to know that when I come home, I'm not getting more stress added to me helps me to be a better pastor. And the same way it will help your husband to be a better whatever God has called him to be. And so a managed household. The second thing that men need is a affirmation. And honey, maybe you could flesh that out. Let's read Proverbs 31, chapter, uh, chapter 31, verses 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. She will, be greatly, she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Um, you know, in order to bring good and not harm, basically we're talking about build your husband up. You know, if we badger our husband's we are not going to get the fruit that we want to get out of him. Um, you know, many times we think that if we say like a whole bunch of negative, he'll, he'll stop doing those things and he'll turn it around and be like, oh, you know, she, she doesn't want me to do that. So it doesn't work that way. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. The more we badger, the more your husband is going to shut down. Right. And we don't want our husbands to shut down right. because they're going to feel like it's a little bit hopeless, like I can't please her, right. you know. So we need to be able to find that balance of saying like, you know, praise, 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 <laughs> insert concern, praise, praise, <laughs> praise, right? <laughs> See, I was a school teacher. We were taught that <laughs> in parent-teacher conferences. You know, you start with the positive, sneak in the negative, and with the positive. But seriously, we want to be able to talk to our husbands in that way where we're helping him to understand that we're not picking, but we, we do have some yeah. legitimate concerns. There, there's something called stonewalling, uh, and you've experienced it, I'm sure. You may not know what it means, but stonewalling is when a man feels flooded with negativity that he shuts down. And so stops communicating, stops responding, basically just ignores, you know, and uh, just or grunts, grunts, <laughs> tunes out. Grunts? You know, goes into la-la land. And that's different than the nothing box that we talked about last week, right? The nothing box is just relaxation. But then there's stonewalling, which is the intentional, you know, just putting a wall up so that way he doesn't have to deal with it anymore. And, and the way that you get a man into that particular place is by being critical all the time instead of affirming the things. And listen, in any relationship... The way that you're going to get further ahead is to focus on the positives and not always focus on the negatives. Right. And the more focus that you put on the positives, what it does is it begins to override the negatives. It actually helps somebody when you focus on their positives to uh, make improvement in the areas of the negatives, right? And so it's important. 
Let's go back to the women again. Um, N in Venus stands for nurture and care. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to I wanna just, just drill down on this for a moment. I read this story about this couple that was married 50 years. And they had this, that this thing called the Just Because Day. It was the 17th of every single month. And it wasn't a birthday. It wasn't Valentine's Day. It wasn't an anniversary. But it was a day for 50 years, every 17th of every month, 12 times a year. 12 times a year. How many of you know there's 365 days in a year? 12 times is not a lot. 12 times a year, they, they expressed their affection for one another just because. And what this guy did was every 17th of every month, he would do something just out of the ordinary. A little note, and he'd write, I love you just, cause, just because. Or you look beautiful today just because. Or he'd bring home flowers, and he'd say, just because. Or tonight, I'm taking you out to dinner just because. Or tonight, you and I are going to go for a walk and hold hands just because. And it was a celebration of their love every single day. And they were married 50 years. At the end of their life, he was starting to, you know, get ill, and they knew he was going to die. And so they spent every moment together. They, they maximized the moments. But after he passed away, the 17th came up again. And that day was extraordinarily special for this widow because the mailman delivered a piece of mail to her to the door. And she thought it was strange. She thought, why is the mailman delivering this to the door? Why doesn't, she, why doesn't he just leave it in the mailbox? And she opened up a letter and it said, even in death, I want you to know I love you just because. And so it's things like that, right, where we nurture and care. Those are the kind of things, guys, that are going to keep things together in your marriage. Think about Jesus. Why does, if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, why do you answer my prayers? I think one of the answers Jesus would give us is just because. Mm. Why, do, why do you love me so much, Jesus? Just because. Why'd you die for me, Jesus? Just because. Why'd you take my punishment? Just because. Why'd you go to hell for me? Just because. Why, why do you, why do you, why are you so involved in my life? Why do you think about me all the time? Just because. And we need to emulate that in our relationship with our spouse. And so um, that's what the N in Venus stands for. The U in Venus stands for ultimate need, right? And the ultimate need of every person, by the way, is to be, to be shown the love of God. And the thing that makes a man, the most attractive to a woman is if he acts like Jesus. The sexiest thing on a guy, fellas, if you want to bring sexy back, don't hit the gym, <laughs> although that helps too. If you want to bring sexy back, put Jesus on. Have you ever noticed that you can see sometimes a beautiful woman with a god-awful ugly guy? And I'm like, what, what's wrong with this picture here? You know, what's happening? Because women are not just attracted to what's on the outside. How many of you know what women are really attracted to is what's on the inside? Women like guys who got their stuff together. And there is no greater way to get your stuff together than to put on Jesus and to act like Jesus and paint a portrait of Jesus every day of your life to your spouse in your patience, in your mercy, in your forgiveness, in your care, all of that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, even if you start getting man boobs, she'll still think you're sexy. <laughs> right? The ultimate, the ultimate need. Um, let's flip back to the men for a minute, and then we'll get to the big ones, the S's. For men, the R stands for? Respect. What does it stand for? Respect. Say it loud. <laughs> I said it twice. Say it loud. Submit. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> Submission gets a bad rap, you know? <laughs> you know, respect does not mean that women are not allowed to assert their feelings or talk about, you know, their concerns. You know, we're hitting on... Some of these areas kind of like blur together a little bit. But, you know, with respect, 
you know, we can uh, speak to our spouse and not come at him. Uh, you know, we can choose the timing carefully, uh, disagree with a good nature. We don't have to have our back up all the time and just, you know, like we're ready to fight because we have to prove a point because we can. You know, that's unfair. And it's actually quite refreshing to be able to do things God's way. You know, once you yes. kind of put it into practice, it's not like, you know, you're trying to like, you know, use your intellect all the time. Like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? It's kind of like, you know what? I know what to do because I know what the Bible says I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it your way, God. I'm going to put this on you and I'm going to submit my will to the Father, and I'm going to let him order my steps in my communication in the way that I respect my spouse. Yeah. And there's just a lot of freedom in that. You know, we like to control things. Let's control the things that we're yeah. supposed to control, yeah. healthy control, right? We don't want to control all of those things that are, we know we're going to get kickback, constant kickback. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. We need to pour into our spouse the deserved respect that they uh, you know they, that they've worked for that they're owed and then we will receive that in return you know in Ephesians 5 if you read the whole chapter the majority of the text is is God talking to men right and then listen to what it says it says nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband it's like one line to the women it's like this much to the men one line to the women, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Because it's that important to guys, right? Respect, and, and I think she articulated it so well, it's really about attitude more than it is anything else, right? A, a man and this way, doesn't like to feel like somebody's challenging them, stepping up to them, right? Respect, it's the way in which you approach it. So the question was asked us, well, what, what if I can't respect my husband? Mm. What if he doesn't, how many of you know, guys, can we be honest? Sometimes we act in a way that's, that doesn't deserve respect, Right? But respect is an attitude that we give to somebody that, in essence, causes them to become everything that we need them to be, sometimes even when they don't deserve it. And there's a scripture in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 3, that speaks specifically about this. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word of God, they're not doing what they're supposed to, without a word, may be one by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, notice what this says. If you have somebody who's not obeying the Word of God, don't try to lecture them into obedience. But rather, you can win them. The word win here is you play your cards right by the way in which your actions speak louder than your words. You'll win them over. The great example of this is a story by the, uh, of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. If you come to Wednesday night, you've heard me share this before. One of the greatest preachers the world has ever known. God used him in mighty ways. But before he was a preacher, he was a plumber. He was a wicked man. He hated the fact that his wife went to church all the time. And he would say to her, if you go to church one more time, I'm leaving, right? And she would always go to church because how many of you know you honor the Lord before you honor anybody else, right? And so one day he said, if you go to church, I'm locking you out. When you come back, the door's going to be locked. And sure enough, she went to church. She came back, the door was locked. And he thought, well, I'll just kind of go along with this for a couple of hours. But he fell asleep. And at like 4 o'clock in the morning, he wakes up. He goes, oh, no. Oh, no. She's, where? And he runs outside. And she was sleeping on the porch. And sure enough, when he opened the door, she fell into the house. You know what this woman did? She must be a saint. 
Because if my wife, if my daughter ever told me a guy did this to her, I'd be over his house smacking him around. Okay? But you know what? You know what this guy, what this woman did? She got up, she made him breakfast. Do you know the next week he went to church with her? He gave his life to Jesus, became one of the greatest, greatest preachers the world has ever known. Why? Because her actions spoke louder than her words could ever. And that's what it means to respect. Let's move on to and wrap it up with the S's. Um, This is not a pre-planned dismissal, but she really couldn't do this this week because of coverage in the nursery. And she said, if I'm going to do it with you this week, I need to be back at the end of the services for dismissal and things like that. So I'm going to allow you to go. Thank you so much, honey. You can leave. Thank you for having me. And you know, before I leave, can I just say one more thing? You can. Just because I have to, because my nature is this, I I just like to, you know, I'm a fixer of things, you know. And so for anybody who's sitting here and you're in a situation in your marriage where it's not like this, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to do it God's way. And when you do a little bit for God, he comes up big. You know, he's going to come in strong in your marriage. He's going to come in strong in your family because he loves us that much. So never lose heart. Do it God's way. And thank you. And I do have to go. And I'm sorry that I have to go. I'll be outside later. And I hope to be able to say hello to a bunch of you. All right. So let's deal with the S's, the S in Venus and the S in Mars. Let's start off with the S, what the S stands for, four basic needs of every man. The S, fellas, stands for... Seriously, guys, so weak. What does the S stand for, guys? Say it loud. Say it proud. Say it like you're at home and you're thirsty. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't just stand for sex. It stands for sexual fulfillment. And there is a big difference between sex and sexual fulfillment. Sex, by the way, let me define that. Sex is intimacy within God's context, okay? God's context for sex is one man, one woman within the covenant of marriage. That is the biblical definition of sex. Anything that mirrors sex, not in God's context, is not sex, it's fornication, okay? So you ever notice in the list of sins in the Bible, it never says sex, but it says fornication over and over again? Because sex is not a sin. Let me say it again. Sex is not a sin. Let me say it this way. Sex is holy. Sex is meant for enjoyment. Matter of fact, God is the one who initiated. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God said, have all the sex you want. Have you ever noticed that in marriage, though, it seems like sex goes downhill? In a, in a dating relationship, it's like you can't get alone. You're trying to figure out when are your parents going to be gone, you know, when are they, all this kind of stuff. But then you get married, and it's like, what happened? Because we need to realize what sex is. Sex is, is intimacy within God's context. Everything outside of that is called fornication. Now, there is a reason why men, generally speaking, generally speaking, think about and want sex more than women. And the reason is called testosterone. You didn't get that? It's very simple. During the 18th to 25th week of gestation, men get a testosterone release. It's what makes a man a man. And testosterone heightens a man's sexual sensitivity. Okay, that's why you see all these commercials on TV, you know, with the, what's that one that they're always trying to push on everything with that, that big athlete? 
um, what is it? Gene- what is it called? Eugenics, right? And it always ends. And she'll like it in the bedroom. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, right? So what it's basically saying is saying is that if you lose your testosterone, your sex drive begins to dip. But when you have testosterone, what it does is it heightens your sex drive. And so generally speaking, this is why men are more heightened to sexual stimuli than women are. Now, the other thing that happens with testosterone in a man is testosterone regulates the mood of a man. And so the more testosterone a man has built up, the more angry a man will be the more short a man will be, so on and so forth. And so if a man is, testosterone is not regulated through sexual fulfillment, it'll make him harder for him to be the nurturing and caring man that God has designed for him to be. So there are biological reasons for this. So what is the difference between sex and sexual fulfillment? Sex, just sex, is just a release. And a man will take sex anytime, anywhere, because he's a dog when it comes to that. It's just facts. But if all a man ever gets is sex and not sexual fulfillment, his marriage will begin to drift. What is the difference? Let me t- explain it to you this way. Ladies, let's say, um, you know, you've you both been out all day. You've been missing your husband. And, and you say to him when he comes home or, or if, if, you know, when whoever comes home first, say, honey, you know, I've been missing you all day today. And tonight, instead of watching TV and instead of, you know, going to the movies or anything, what I really want us to do, because I just want to just kind of just connect, is I want us to talk. I just want us to sit down and have a great conversation, grab, grab a cup of coffee, let's just sit down. Imagine if he reacted like this. Talk! Talk! We just talked last night! I mean, how many times do you want to talk? Talk, 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 talk. That's all we do is talk. All right, if you really need to talk, let's talk. I'll get it over with real quick because I don't really feel like doing this. That is the difference between sex and sexual fulfillment, right? What a man needs to know is that his wife desires him in this way. His wife is engaged is enjoying this intimate moment together. Or another example would be this. Let's pretend you cook a good meal, right? You cook a delicious meal and you just want to be a blessing because the way that man's heart is through his stomach and you should, you're like, you know, I'm going to just cook him a great meal. And, and, you know, you set it all up, candlelight, the whole nine yards, you know, kind of thing. And, and he sits down and he starts to eat the meal and he doesn't comment on how good the meal is. He says nothing. And you're like waiting for him to say, you know, did you enjoy that? And you finally ask, and he goes, yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right, type of thing. I think when it comes to your wife cooking you a special meal, you should pull a what about Bob. You know what I'm talking about when I say what about Bob? You ever see the movie? The guy who's like a psychiatric guy, and he kind of invites himself over his therapist's house and everything like that, and, and the wife kind of embraces him into the family and makes him a dinner. You know, and it's like the guy's never had a home-cooked meal in his entire life, and he sits down at the table, and he tastes the mashed potatoes, and he goes, And it's like real awkward. And then he takes, takes the, potato, the, the, the roll and he does the same thing. I, I think if your wife makes you a good meal, you know what you ought to do? You ought to just let them know how good it is. How many of you know some feedback when it comes to sexual intimacy is good for a marriage relationship? That is sexual fulfillment for a guy. Listen to what the Bible has to say about this. Because the Bible has a whole chapter on this. Listen to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a 
Say it loud. Say it proud. Limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I remember when we were early in our marriage, right? And I said, Lisa, you know, what you think? She's like, I don't feel like I'm going to go and pray right now. She looked at me like, what are you talking about going to pray right now? I said, the Bible says the only reason why we should be departing from this is because you're going to give yourself to prayer. So I thought that you're just going to pray right now, right? Now, notice, I want you to see a couple of things in this scripture because this is so important. And then we're going to get to the S in women. I know we're going a little over, but, but so be it. Number one, first thing this tells us is sex needs to be a regular part of marriage. A regular part of, just like talking, just like verbal communication, just like all of those things. It needs to be a regular part of marriage. That is God's design. Number two, no should be the exception rather than the rule, right? A limited time. Now, listen, I realize that there are circumstances and situations. One person in the marriage is maybe ill or sickly or, you know, different things. I understand there are stuff that influence this kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's drift that causes this to stop. Number three, Um, When one spouse deprives another of sex, they leave their spouse vulnerable to temptation from the enemy and they open the door to their partner wandering from the marriage. Listen to me. Porn is a sin. It's a big problem with men, by the way. And men, we talk about these things in our men's groups and so on and so forth. But but don't give your husband a, a reason to open the door to sin. It's never somebody's responsibility if you sin, so you can't use that as an excuse, fella, fellas. But notice what the Bible says. The Bible specifically says that you open the door for the enemy when you deprive one another of sexual fulfillment in your relationship. In your marriage, you ought to want to cover your spouse. You want to, ought to put your spouse in a position so that they can live a thriving, godly life. And if somebody ices another person, I mean, I've had marriage counseling situations where they'll come in and say, we haven't had sex in five years. And I'll say, well, who, why not? Now, a lot of times it's because it's the wife who says no, but every now and again, it'll be the man who says no. And in those situations, you're opening the door up for the enemy to come in. Number four, this verse teaches us that sex binds right? The reason why when two people who have sex outside of God's context or fornicate outside of God's context, it's so hard for them to break up is because if they had sex, they're bound together. You know what it's supposed to do in marriage? It's supposed to bind you so that way you can overlook the stuff that you need to overlook so that you can reset with one another so that you can become emotionally vulnerable with one another again. If this is not happening in a marriage context, you are not bound to one another like you should. It's a reset button. But then also, People will ask, how often should we have sex in marriage? As often as the other partner needs to. Now, what does that mean? Well, what if I really don't want to and they really do all the time? You have to come up with some type of middle ground, right? I read somewhere that the average um, relatively newly married couple has sex three times a week. I read that one time. I said, honey, God doesn't want us to be average. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. Um, the point of the matter is this. The point of the matter is you need, to, you need to defer to one another, right? Number seven, people ask, um, what is permissible in marriage? And, and, and here's what it is. Anything by mutual consent unless it's sin, right? We talked about it a bit. Like people will actually come in and ask me dumb questions. 
Pastor, can we, can, we, can we play porn while we're having sex? No. It's sin. Dude, what, 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 why are we asking this question? How long have you been coming to church? What, what's going on? How, why, do you think, why do you think that way? Forcing your spouse to do something they don't feel comfortable with, that's sin, right? Um, going outside your marriage, obviously sin, but refusing to have sex with your, with your spouse is also a sin. And so sexual fulfillment is a big part of a man's needs. But then I want to end with the S for ladies. And this is so important, guys. The S for ladies is security. Ladies need to feel secure. They need to know that they can count on their husband. They need to know that, that, that he's there, that he's there to cover them, that, he's, that if, if she goes to you with a situation or an issue, you're going you're gonna to respond accordingly, that she can rely on you, that you're not going to just be laying on the couch doing nothing, freeloading and all that kind of stuff, that you are somebody she feels safe raising a family with, entrusting her children with, somebody who she feels safe being a role model to her kids, all of that kind of stuff. Security is the biggest need, according to psychologists, of most women, the need to feel secure. And here's the thing is, I'm old-fashioned, so here's what I believe. I believe a dad is the covering for his daughter, right? And, and matter of fact, the word father means source. That's literally what it means. Our heavenly father, he's our source. And so when, when I became a dad, I saw myself as I am the source of my family. doesn't mean that my wife doesn't contribute in huge ways, bigger ways than I do, right? But I'm the source. I'm the covering. I'm the one that they can rely on. I'm the one that's there to protect. I'm the one that's got to do whatever needs to be done for my family, period. It doesn't matter if I like it. It doesn't matter if it's convenient for me. It doesn't matter if I have to work hard. It doesn't matter. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it because I'm the covering. So that's what a dad is. And then a girl grows up and she meets a guy. And you know what's supposed to happen? That guy is supposed to come to that father and say, can I now take your place in her life? Can I now become her covering? And here's the question that I have for you, fellas. Imagine you with that little girl in your life that you love so much, but now imagine that your wife is somebody else's little girl. And the question I have for you is, do they feel safe with you? Do they feel secure with you, would you feel safe? Would you feel secure with you? How many of you guys know if you saw a man cursing at your daughter, if you saw a man muscling up on your daughter, what would you do? I'd knock him off his feet. That would be done. Boom, you're, you're done. Don't ever let me hear you talk to my daughter like that again. Right? We have to understand that we have taken that role in the lives of somebody. It is a beautiful place of responsibility and we need to meet that need. And here's what happens. As both people have this marriage mindset, that marriage is an earthly relationship, an earthly example of an eternal relationship and because it is such, I'm gonna subordinate my will and my needs to the other person. What happens is the marriage and the family unit comes back together. And does our world need this more than ever right now? Our world is crazy right now and here's the reason why it's crazy right now. Because what has been seen by this current generation is a husband, a man, and a woman don't work. And so what they've said is, well, if this doesn't work, then why don't I do man and man? Why don't I do woman and woman? Why? Because they haven't received the role models that they needed. Every young person should think to themselves, I want what my parents had.
I want what my mom and dad, when I look at their relationship, it is beautiful. It is wonderful. That's what I want in my life. And you know what? Let's give them that, right? Let's get back to a place in life where we reclaim what God has set into motion as the foundation of society. And that is the family, one woman, one man, in the context of marriage. And you'll watch what happens to this generation and every generation that comes after that. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet with me? I know we went a little long today, but I hope it was worth it. For those of you that are new here or are coming to the, uh, to the uh, pizza with the pastor, you can join us in the, in the cafeteria in just a moment. But I want to pray for a moment. Um, I want to pray first of all for anybody that might be here today who has not entered into a personal relationship with Jesus. I hope that what you were able to see from this talk today was how much Jesus loves us, that Jesus did everything for us because he wanted us to be in covenant relationship with him. He wanted to forgive us of our sins and make us right with him and become our complete covering in life. And so maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you're not right with God. You don't know if you were to die this moment or this second, whether you would spend eternity with God in heaven. Today, Jesus wants to save your soul, but you have to surrender to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know if you're right with God, but you want to be made right with him, would you lift your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me right where you are? I want to pray for you right now. Just hold it up nice and high. Promise I won't embarrass you. God bless you over here. God bless you in the back over there. That's awesome. Anybody else? God bless you over here. That's great. Anybody else, Pastor? God bless you over there. Anybody else, Pastor, today I want to just give my life to Jesus. I don't know if I'm right with him, but today I want to surrender to him. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're watching online and that's you. This prayer is for you as well. I want us to all join together in a prayer right now as these people have surrendered their life to Jesus. Would you say this out loud with me? Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I repent of my sins and I ask you to forgive me as I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Savior and as my Lord and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing I want to pray about before we dismissed. If you're here with your partner, uh, your spouse, I should say not your partner because that has different connotations these days, but if you're here with your, with your spouse, okay, your husband or your wife, grab their hand. If you're not here with your spouse right now, then I want you to be prayerful for your marriage on behalf of your spouse, okay? One of the things I feel led of the Lord to do is if you're married to somebody who is not interested in the things of God but is a good person or maybe is a bad person, I want you to realize that your testimony and the way that you carry yourself can have a profound impact on them. And so as you're praying, ask God for wisdom. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we lift up all of these marriages to you today. We thank you that you rule and reign over our families. Father, today we repent before you for not taking our marriage relationships seriously and not realizing the profound implications of what happens when our homes are not in the order that you would have them to be. And Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to forgive us 
Father, we ask you to put your anointing on us. We ask you to help us to be everything that you've designed us to be. For every man, that they would be a man of God. For every woman, that they would be a woman of God. For every marriage, that it would be an example of what it means like to have a personal relationship with you. Father, I pray your blessing. I pray forgiveness, Lord. I pray that you, you, you begin to tear down some of those walls, that those hurts that have built up over the years, Father, that those walls that are keeping each other in different corners would come down. Father, I pray for, for us to be vulnerable enough to give the other person access to our heart again. Vulnerable enough, Lord, to say I'm sorry. Vulnerable enough to make a move of reconciliation. Father, in Jesus' name, let us own, Lord, not what the other person has done, but what we've done to help us to have the marriages that you've called us to be. For every marriage that is good, I pray that you'd make it better. Father, we ask for your anointing on all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. If you raised your hand, an usher's gonna find you right now, give you a little book, describes what it means to give your life to Jesus. The usher will give you some instructions as well to the rest of you. Have a wonderful day. It's been good to be in church with you. Next week, we'll see you again. God bless you.